Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Jane Shin was born in Seoul, South Korea and raised in the United States. She attended the Skowhegan School of Painting and Sculpture in 1999 and received a BFA and MS from Pratt Institute in Brooklyn. Her monumental installations transform everyday objects into elegant expressions of identity and community. For each project, she amasses large collections of an object, which are often sourced through donations from people in a participating community. Her work has been shown in major national and international museums, including solo exhibitions at the Scottsdale Museum of Contemporary Art in Arizona, the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C., the Fabric Workshop and Museum in Philadelphia, and the Museum of Modern Art in New York. She's received numerous awards, including the New York Foundation of the Arts Fellowship, the Paula Krasner Foundation Grant, and the Lewis Comfort Tiffany Foundation Biennial Art Award. Her works have been featured in many publications, including Freeze, Flash Art, Tema Celeste, Art in America, Sculpture Magazine, Art News, and the New York Times. I headed to Long Island City to the Materials for the Arts Artists in Residence program, where she had been working for the past several weeks. Here's our conversation. So, um, yeah, let's. Why don't we uh, start off by talking about you and, and how you got started, where you came from, and when you started right. getting into art. Right. Um, so I grew up in Maryland, mm -hmm. and um, pretty much was serious about painting because I had an outstanding painting teacher, mm -hmm. and uh, you know got early recognition and got this great scholarship to Pratt Institute that took me right to New York. And so that in high then, school you were painting, painting. I was painting landscapes and yeah. the figure <laughs> in art class or at in home art too. Class yeah. and plein air and you know yeah all all the breaks out there you know in the winter and the summer. Yeah. Painting landscapes. Were your parents artistic? No, not at all. I mean, we I mean they we have an immigrant history, so they came to the U.S. and you know typically. Uh, moved to Washington D.C. and mm -hmm. um, left their professional lives, you know, yeah. to own a grocery store and a yeah. liquor store in D.C. While I pursued this idyllic, um, you know, life, life in suburbia, in <laughs> right, <laughs> with this incredible teacher who um, tapped into my interests and then took me to just another huge platform. And, uh, you know, applying to Pratt was sort of off my radar. I hadn't anticipated being an artist in that way. I didn't have models. I didn't, you know, uh, know anything beyond what I saw in the amazing museums in Washington, D.C., yeah. which are all these free museums that we go regularly. But that and my life, there was a huge disconnect, right? Yeah. Um, but then the scholarship came, and, um, you know, I did meet another college uh, teacher, a professor in a summer program and he, he said I think if you have the opportunity to go to New York mm -hmm. just go so and that's the, where you got yeah, the idea basically. exactly and I said really you're not gonna entice me to go to your school and get me more scholarship and want me to study under you he's like New York wow just go that's and that was like profound like what you know like why would he say that yeah. you know so and, and so I didn't have the New York image in my mind as yeah. an artist you know uh, and so when I got here, though, and specifically to Brooklyn, yeah, 
you know, I just fell in love. I mean, just the campus, the intensity of being in art school and being able to make art all the time, you know. Yeah. And I painted and drew a, a lot. What year was that that you started? This is 1990. Yeah. Yeah, but it was also an extremely confusing time because, you know, I wasn't familiar with the city. I it was mean, different then, too, over by... Oh, my uh, God. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's changed. I didn't get mugged and I didn't get stabbed, but, yes, yeah. I know plenty of friends who did. Yeah. And worse. It's I mean, amazing how quickly that change came, right? It took some time. I mean, really, that was... I mean, you know, the rough part of the 90s, right? Yeah. And historically, there was a rough part of the 80s and yeah. the 70s, and it just keeps going. And now, of course, uh, you know, people flock to Fort Greene and Clinton yeah. Hill, and they're real communities, but they've always been real communities, you know? Right. Uh, it just, um, you know, the gentrification, of course, the Europeans have arrived. Yeah, right. <laughs> So did you, but you always lived there, right? And you still so do So when now. I moved, um, yeah, when I moved to Pratt, uh, I lived in Brooklyn and then just never had any desire to work or live in the city, like Manhattan. It was just all Brooklyn-based. So I went from um, around Pratt to Williamsburg mm-hmm. right after school, graduation, to sort of Carroll Gardens, another lovely, you know, Italian neighborhood. Yeah. And kind of settling around the waterfront there. Yeah. So when you, you were in school for how long? Um, well, I did my undergraduate. So and four? Or four did years, you? and then I, I got like the art history bug. Yeah. I mean, art, making art for me was really confusing. You know, like I loved art and had been, always imagined making art, you yeah. know. Um, and the, but being in school and, you know, studying art, it was really confusing as to finding my own path. And right. Like, again, a, a whole disconnect between what I was seeing at the museums, which I loved. Mm-hmm. That was my, like, half my education. Yeah. And then what was being taught and what I was interested in. There was a huge, like, figuring out of who and what kind of art yeah. and where my place in it. So when I left, I just thought, like, I need to kind of look from a distance mm-hmm. instead of just making stuff so I pulled back and studied art history because I, f- I was fascinated yeah. you know and feeling like there's context of right. history that I wanted to know more about so that I can understand my own context in our cultural history and uh, it was just too hard to figure that out in the studio yeah so I, s- I slowed down my studio practice and just decided I would commit to doing art history research and uh, on your own no I took a degree and I just continued at Pratt to study art history criticism you know materials and techniques conservation that sort of path and for a while of course my studio teachers thought oh she's gonna move to being a curator or follow an art history path she's bailing out Yeah, yeah like you know but I that was never my intention you know I just it's what I loved. I want to know more about it. And yeah. I didn't think there was enough conversations around it in the, in the studio, Crits. Right. And I was able to have access to this incredible library and art history right there. So pursuing that allowed me to settle into, like, a dialogue. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was a dialogue with art history, yeah. essentially, or the world of art, you know. Um, and then finding, like, well you know, this would also be a really practical thing for an artist, you know, like, right. what do I do after school? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and part of it was like, okay, I would assist another artist, right? Mm-hmm. That was my only prospect. And I was interested in a lot more. So yeah. I thought 
this uh, sort of investment into the ideas of art and the history would allow me have a grounding, you mm -hmm. know. So I had this master's degree in art history. And so when I was looking for jobs, I purposely avoided sort of being like in the studio as a studio assistant and instead went to places I, I again, had always gravitated toward, which was in the nonprofit museum world. Mm -hmm. um, so my first jobs were um, first at MoMA and then finally at, at a position at the Whitney Museum. And that was like another education in itself because yeah. then I was immersed in contemporary art and participating in the shaping um, with these incredible curators um, and the exhibitions that were going on. And know? there was no, were you getting a little behind the scenes that you didn't bargain for? Oh my God, yeah. com completely you're immersed. Seeing a, like, uh, you're seeing that side of things, right? I, I was seeing the other side, yeah. literally. Um, something you are never exposed to or even, it, it just didn't even uh, cross my mind, like the production space of a museum yeah. and how it affects artists and everything else, you know? Yeah, it's kind of an unconventional jump because a lot of people will graduate and then they'll go work as a gallery assistant and they don't have any exposure to the dark side of that world. <laughs> the dark <laughs> you, side. I mean, let's be honest. And then you, you kind of, you know, yeah. it seems like you were making work and then you wanted to think more de or more in context about that work so you went back for you know more education in history of art which mm -hmm. is really interesting mm -hmm. and because a lot of people do that but I think they when you're done with your degree a lot of people feel like I got to get out of school to find my voice you know yes I, and you just know, work this right work I, I knew that my training and discipline painting like I knew I would be making art mm -hmm. like no one could stop me from doing that it's just like the question of what did I want to make and contribute, yeah. and what was the dialogue? Who was I? Who is? Who's looking at this work that I feel like I'm trying to connect with? Mm -hmm. You know, that I had no understanding, and this notion of audience, right? Yeah. It was more like I was a maker. Right. I knew that definitively. Yeah. But then, yeah, well, of course, I'm making for myself. But then that's just like a <laughs> me, myself, and I in the yeah, studio, yeah. you know. So it really, you know, and then seeing just the positions that are argued in history when you're reading, you know, mm -hmm. from the way it was written and then the, the revisit of that history right. and the taking away, remaking, and retelling of that story, it changes. Like, history is malleable, too. Yeah. It depends on who's writing and who's, you know, being talked about. And so I, I, I loved how fluid art history also seemed, but yeah. how also important, right? And and the question of who's written about who's omitted, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. that was real insight. Yeah. You know, it's something I can't couldn't change while being an audience to it. Right. But then being at the museums, it was like I was part and seeing the people who are making those decisions. Yeah. Um, and that really changed my outlook on you know, what gets seen, mm -hmm. you know, I was just an appreciator of, you know, the exhibitions at the museums, but now I see like, oh, what were the critical decisions right. that brought this work to me and, you know, and, yeah. and countless of hundreds of thousands of people to see this, and now it goes in that art history. Yeah, you know? do you think about that at all in your day-to-day? -day? Not so much with what you're working on, but with the work that goes out there. And you still do so many projects, like this project, or, things in the public realm or things in museums or yes. in you know you have plenty of shows in galleries but you also show your work in a lot of other venues in a lot of other ways did that come out of is that something you're trying to do did it come out of your history or is that something that sort of 
uh, revealed itself or became an opportunity because of the way you work? Well, I think the insight happened at the museum when I saw so much of what we were doing behind the office, right, mm -hmm. manifest into a public exhibition, right, yeah. where it was really, and then the educators taking that material and the exhibition and reinterpreting it for the public yeah. in a language that would be accessible, you know, yeah. and that's that kind of like those little steps you know, and they're all yeah. languages of art, you know, but really the seeing also the joy of the public either get confused yeah. or then with slight explanation or a prompt lighten up in mm -hmm. a way and just, you know, from from the well-educated to the little kid who just walks in and be like, I totally get this, you know, yeah. like I just that sort of almost uh, transformative sense of the public and mm -hmm. their relationship to art was something I had always experienced, right? Yeah. But then to see it, you know, from a distance and learn from it uh, made me, when I went back to my studio question, like, well, what do I want to do? You know, right. and clearly it was like, well, I mean, that's what I wanted to do. Like, yeah. I want to be in a place where my work can be seen by the public, mm -hmm. you know, anyone, you know, yeah. and, and as wide a, a net as possible, right? So, so yeah, I mean, I think that um, doing the kind of installation work and making that choice and then having um, museums and nonprofit spaces support that, mm -hmm. you know, became an avenue for me. And then eventually it turned into kind of this public art engagement, whether it's temporary or, um, you know, permanent commissions. Yeah. Was that a big chunk of what you were looking for when you went back to school for art history? No, not at all. I mean, it was, it, I had, some, if someone told me back then, hey, you're going to be interested in art in the public realm, I'd be like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> you well, know, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't even know how to define it, nor the history of it, you know. Yeah. So this all came, I mean, all of this is, uh, you know, retrospectively looking at those influences and what was in front of me and yeah. what I was really like a sponge to, you know, and seeking. And there right. it was, right? And, the, and then the choices that came out of it and the reevaluation of my, quote, art practice, you yeah. know, um, coming out of this studio making kind of endeavor to right. something else, you know, seeking for something else and really trying to redefine it for myself. So I wasn't consciously trying to get into art history or to redefine, you know, artists in the public realm, you know, yeah. engagement or anything like that. It was just like a slow process of my figuring out what inspires me, what do I want to connect to, who am I speaking with and who am I working and what are my goals, you know, mm -hmm. making art together, you know. Uh, so it's become extremely collaborative, you know, because I was working in kind of a cultural space where you you work together, yeah. you know, there's no one author to anything. I mean, there was the name curator or even the director who led the museum, but mm -hmm. there was hundreds of people who actually had to do the work, you know, yeah. together to make something happen. And that was really different from what you think of a painter, right. you know, so it really shifted kind of uh, the dynamics of art making to me. Mm -hmm. Then it felt, did it feel more personal in a way? Like, what were you painting in in school? It was probably like, what was I trying not to paint in school? Right? <laughs> By the time I left, I was like deconstructing painting, looking at like deconstructing materiality and the structure. And, you know, at some point, my fr friend of mine said, what if you just don't paint? And I was like, how does a painter not paint? Yeah. 
you know, I was like, I guess that's what I'm trying to do. And then it was only after school that I started to really be on my own and, and just left to my own devices. I returned to something that didn't feel like school taught me how to make mm-hmm. this at this technique. You yeah. know, you're always against, am I following the rules? Am I bending the rules? Am I breaking the rules? Am I trying to, you know, reinvent yeah. a rule? You know, and I just felt like, so if I stop, you know, it, um, then maybe I'll find something. And mm-hmm. so I went back to things that I remember doing as a kid, like braiding and cutting and sorting and rearranging. Oh, so that's you know? the personal. That's the personal. See, I'm looking for the person. I know your work is super personal, but I didn't know. Yeah. I'm not sure what that connection is. You know what I mean? Because I feel like your work is really conceptual. Yeah. I don't yeah, know if yeah, you yeah. feel that way, but it just seems like the, part the of process, it's really important. Where, yeah. where you're getting things, how you're making them, the relationship of the materials you use to where it came from and where it ends up and mm-hmm. all those things are hyper considered I feel like you know and and very it's very conceptual practice but there's a rich visual yeah uh, it's end the product hand, of it. right it's yeah. the hand and really as a kid with a lot of time in my hands <laughs> you know it's like and left to my own devices right in my room yeah. I would just be gathering things putting things together that I liked visually, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I remember things like, you know, when I, my parents couldn't be bothered to buy me a doll that everyone else had, you know, like a, the Cabbage Patch Kit. Do yeah. you remember this Oh, stuff? yeah, I remember. Everyone had it, right? Yeah. I never had if one. If you could get one before <laughs> right, Christmas. Right, exactly. Right? And of course, my parents weren't even thinking about Christmas. They're too busy surviving. Yeah. So I was like, well, I know all my friends pretty much have one, mm-hmm. and I will borrow their instruction guide, and I will make invent my doll and I was like taking stockings and the original handmade cabbage bed doll yeah. I mean that's what I was doing I was like well I, I don't have access to that but I can kind of probably make it how did you get like, where did that come from though how did you making, just feel like oh, I'm yeah. gonna make it was it just intuitive just totally intuitive yeah right? like, a, like give me a thread and a, a needle and some <laughs> patches of ho- pantyhose and yeah. you know stuff it and make some eyes and hair and you know that will be my doll yeah. you know and I will too like research exactly how like she needs to have an origin she needs to have a name she needs right. to have a story <laughs> well that's way too personal right <laughs> there you go well it sounds like you were like me like my parents I grew up with almost you know we didn't have a lot of money and my parents worked all the time yeah. so I was like a latchkey kid you know and and um, so when you have all that time, you become creative. I think boredom inspires creativity and you have all this time to think. So my question is, if you were that, if you were in the same situation you were in growing up today, do you feel like you would make the same work? Because you probably wouldn't be bored because you would have a lot more fun gadgets to keep you busy. That, that is a problem, huh? <laughs> and yeah, as parents I today, I, wonder, yeah. I mean, that's a question I uh, battle with. I mean, circumstances are so different, right? Yeah. Here I am trying to be an engaged parent, you know, right. and wondering if these are actually choices that don't help fuel a creative child, yes. you know, who out of boredom figures it out yeah. themselves, right? Yeah, that's like what the we third did. hour of sitting in a room by yourself is when the magic happens or when you're doing really cool stuff and they never have that it's just it's not there anymore like how little unstructured time yeah something interrupts given, it right some sound goes off and then you go look at a screen or you know it's yeah. just not the same anymore so yeah. i wonder i mean we're making it sound very nostalgic <laughs> yeah. but that's this is what we were saying like we were so lost in some way even though we were at a school and university it's like we had to find it and experience it ourselves yeah 
to figure it out. You know, yeah. even though we had access, I mean, I had access to so much. Right. But that, you know, we were saying out of boredom uh, and sheer, like, determination that this can't be all of life, you know, right. like, I think you, you, you discover, and, and it really is, you discover the little things that you're really going to appreciate, even though you see the outside world and you yeah. see how it operates. It's just not part of what you know right within and your own family but back then it stopped like we hated it right oh no the boredom was awful yeah. <laughs> and remember how long time stretched it felt like i mean i think that's the product of being young too where summers feel like years compared to now where it's a few weeks long and you feel like well that would buy quick yeah and i think art is one of those things where you can be painting all night long and go oh my god you look at the clock yeah. and you're like, whoa, right. that went by. Right, or a whole day when I was doing plein air painting, you know, like mm -hmm. a whole day. I mean, you watch the, the, the colors move yeah. and yet you're just perplexed. Like, wait, I need four more hours, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know? Like I have to pack up because I have to go home, you know? Yeah, time goes really quickly when you're in. And that's my favorite time is when I'm just in that zone where it goes by really quickly. Yeah, yeah and, and really that's, that's the handmade, like the this sense of production yeah right that connection to to the making right i mean that was always there and that really it's like a drug yeah you know you could just <laughs> people say i could be a good shoes chef because i could just be chop 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 yeah, chop yeah. i could so 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 you know and i just like it, it's trance yeah the repetitive kind mm -hmm. of, it's meditative i it's feel like it's totally meditative it's when i feel the least stressed i think is it's, when i it's hit a that clarity of your mind right yeah, but just like the repetition of the doing yeah but you know, I have to stop myself because I, right. <laughs> I could just go forever. I could go, and it, and it can be mindless too. So I know when there's critical production, and then of course I have to hand it off. Yeah. Because I can, like, oh yeah, you know, it's it, it is some somewhat of a long path, and really I don't have that time now. Yeah. Right. Well, so that's why we're nostalgic about the time. Right. Time. Oh, it was great. We're so nostalgic about yes. having time. Yeah, it's changed for us. <laughs> <laughs> so, but a lot of your work does take a lot of time, I imagine. It so. does take a lot of time. I, I don't even talk about the labor intensiveness because it's so, it's always been there, yeah. right? And it's I value it. it. Yeah. I really value that we as individuals can commit to an action mm -hmm. and it can be transformative. Yeah. But it requires this labor intensiveness, right. right? And that's been my experience, uh, you know, personally, that's my experience through my immigrant parents. Mm -hmm. It's been my experience living in New York, you know? Yeah. Uh, so this notion of transformation, like you could do very little, mm -hmm. you could do that a lot and that can make a difference. Yeah. You know, that to me is like a philosophy that I can believe in, right? right. But that just not gonna always solve the problem. Mm -hmm. You do have to pull out and get perspective and really look at what you're doing. And yeah. um, so I spend a lot of time going back and forth between that, you know, almost like questioning, do I really want to do that? Right. Or is that, is that just my impulse, intuitive side of me that yeah. just wants to do it, right? Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 stop. You're gonna have to do that, that, right. that kind right. of feeling. And, and I don't, and then when I think of a project and an idea, that's so inspiring. It's like, oh yeah, I'm totally into. I'm gonna yeah. do that. You know, and I know the work is huge and the investment of time and gathering people who are committed to doing that work with me. Yeah. You know, and advocate for that and continue to keep up that production is gonna be so intense. Yeah. But also, it's like thrilling, right? Right. Well, how do you sketch yeah. for that process? Because like, if I'm gonna make a gigantic painting, I think, okay, is this the image? 
and I'm going to be committing a lot of time and space to this. Is this the one mm. that I want to make? You know, is mm. this the image that works well, that scale and all that? And then I can do studies or I can, you know, there's a, this kind of drawing process, collaging or things that can work up right. to that. How do you do that? Well, so I, it's not an image maybe I work toward, but because of the projects, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I have to be fluid enough, right? because I'm collaborating with people and I'm really working with the generosity of people who want to commit with me to this endeavor and I can't control that in some way I can maybe try to enlist you know and encourage and bug them a lot but you know it it really is like I have to be very open to what might happen Mm -hmm. right but at the same time I am I've been I've been really uh like a sense of gratitude toward the fact that people want to make sure that it's exactly how I imagined it. Yeah. Like people actually go over backwards and be like, is this how you imagined it? Right. Are we doing it right? Yeah. And I'm like, is there a right and wrong position here? Like we're doing it. Yeah. Right. That's, that's what matters. But they do want to satisfy this vision. Yeah. Right. It's they like, respect your, right. your and voice I, in the I process. I love that, that, that we can come together like, yeah. for that. Right. Yeah. Um, but it is a long process and sometimes something will happen that I wonder like, oh, is this a problem or is this actually a solution? Mm-hmm. This resistance or this problem, like we can't get the materials, we can't the site or we can't, you know, there's a barrier that just won't say yes to yeah. what we want to happen here or now, yeah. you know? Uh, and yes, I'm totally persistent. I'll sit, you know, get in number of no's and still go okay so when's the next meeting so yeah. i can convince the next person you know <laughs> uh, i'm totally convinced by that process but at some point when i have to pull back and mm-hmm. say you have to reevaluate the situation and those are when i sometimes i feel like the art gets better mm-hmm. you know you pull away and say what do i have to say that's the essence of this project and everything else is just kind of something you wanted yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know something on the side you know right and in fact you know maybe was not that important yeah well constrictions and limitations you know in any practice in any medium you know you can have those things come up and it, it can make your work stronger I think. oh totally i mean i actually thrive on those limitations because mm-hmm. now i've gotten to a practice where i feel like almost anything's possible right yeah, yeah. <laughs> like i believe that right yeah. but then i'm like well, so that's like a luxury like anything's possible so then i like a, a site-specific project because then there's specific needs that i feel like i can tap into mm-hmm. and specific parameters like budget scale timeline you know all those things that i have to meet and so then that's like okay anything's not possible within that time frame anything's not possible within that budget but we can do a lot you know so it's trying to you know trouble uh through like a process of elimination right Mm -hmm. and then arriving at like the thing that really sticks um and i think in some way it's the ownership of the community that allows it to be exactly what we all want it to be, yeah. you know? Yeah. Would, uh, when you do gallery shows versus working in a public realm or museums, do you approach it completely differently? Or is every single project kind of a different approach? Every project is different. Um, but I guess I'm more accustomed to the model of a museum, mm-hmm. right? I think I, I know it. I understand it, you know? Well, that's nice to have in your repertoire. <laughs> just a well, lot I more just, used to working I'm in I'm so museums. comfortable, right? I love, like, the whole curatorial process. 
yeah. I love the dialogue that you have with an artist, you know, bringing them into a site visit, introducing them to the, your museum space, your yeah. audience, meeting the whole staff, you know. Mm -hmm. I love that, you know, I just love that there's this huge uh, group of people who are going to help receive the work and make this accessible, right? And it's also completely mission-driven. Yeah. So I kind of love that. Um, when I'm working at the gallery, of course, there's less that, right? At the end of the day, it is like market driven. Yeah. But what's the perk? You know? Is it a little more maybe <laughs> well, it's intimate? An immediate, uh, well, it's an immediate uh, relationship to my art audience. Yeah. You know? And so I, I, it's almost like coming home. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Coming home to celebrate the work in a much more, you know, in some way, the gallery to me is an intimate setting of people of your most... Uh, long following art audience, right? right? Um, and the critical press, right? At the museum, it's like the public. Yeah. You know? Um, well, it's like a small club versus, yeah. you know, the stadium, and you'd like to sell sold out stadium concerts. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. like you, that's your. It's nice to be among your people, right. right? And to celebrate. I mean, really, those openings and the show itself is just an, an investment to keeping up the dialogue and you know, conversations with people that you love talking with, you yeah. know? Um, and then the other kind of work is like, you know, really challenging and celebrating like, okay, can this be done here? Mm -hmm. And you're the outsider. Yeah. You don't really know, Yeah. you know? Um, but then the, the New York shows and the, and the gallery shows also can be extremely stressful because you know, it's your family, it's your friends, yeah. you know, yeah. they both understand, but they want to see a good show. Right. <laughs> They're not going to be as forgiving, yeah, you know, yeah. like, oh, it's experimental, it's transitional. No, no it's like, it's got to be good, you know. Yeah, is it a little harder in the sense that the support system is different in a gallery, much different in a gallery than than at the museum? And it's a speculative market, right? Yeah. You still have to produce the work, right. you know, whereas museums, I mean, they're supporting you through commissioning budgets. So the money comes first, and the arrangement is th as the production comes first, yeah. right? And then you go from there, and anything is possible within that, right? Right. Um, and so similarly with the public art um, commissions, sort of love. That's the that's the budget. Yeah. This is time. You know what it this is. This is the space. Yeah. Right. It lives here, and this is who we're aiming. These are the goals that we're all agreeing to. Yeah. Um, I think it's different. You know? Yeah, I, it's but probably I actually free, love right? I love the immediacy also of the gallery shows too. Yeah, you know? I guess it's hard. It, I I don't know anything about it because it's not my it, you know what I do. But um, I would imagine selling gigantic sculptures is is pretty tricky. <laughs> we'll know, leave it right? at that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and the space, the amount of space it takes up. I mean, here this is a different, just different than your normal space, you know. So yeah, this what, is a temporary what is the difference between the two? If you could, and maybe oh, right. talk about yeah. where you so, are. And so what I sort of think like I'm at the Materials for the Arts, mm -hmm. um, which is a nonprofit space, an incredible uh, uh, organization through um, Department of Cultural Affairs in New York. They have like a 33,000 square foot warehouse of materials donated for individuals, uh, corporations, uh, industries, and it's all then. Um, sorted process and then left for these public members to come and get materials for free and these mm -hmm. are um, you know art teachers to artists who are um, in a residency outside or um, city official you know city workers needing chairs and files and mm -hmm. things like that so it's an incredible place of exchange which you know 
it's so fitting for me because I'm trying to cultivate this material exchange yeah. and this connection for people and to um, to find meaning in things that one person doesn't need and yet another person and absolutely can find uh, a place for you know yeah. um, and so being at the residency is a temporary um, you know spring um, a couple months here that has been uh, truly inspiring because it feels so fitting to my practice and then of course I have access to the materials that it, it's sort of like everything I would do and figure out how to do on my own is already happening here and yeah. I'm just tapping into it I show up and look around to the warehouse to see what I want to take around and pull it into the studio and then figure out what I want to make with that um, the difficult part there was trying to connect with like well, where does this come from? And what does it mean mm -hmm. that it's been a surplus and that's been donated here? And so whether that's a critique of um, the fashion world, you know, or corporate structures and their surplus and their waste, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and the general, you know, throwaway culture yeah. we live in. Um, so uh, there's been just so much to work with, but it almost is a project in itself, you know? Yeah. And I couldn't be in this kind of high forever because <laughs> right. I'd be exhausted, you know? Yeah, that's I need a big time. supply chain you have right outside the studio door. I mean, you have to see it to get the scale of it. And it reminds me of when one of my first jobs, actually my first job when I moved to the city was working at Macy's doing windows, but the fabrication stuff, and they would have full floors, you know, when you go way up high in the building, full floors that are just, like that, just yeah. stacks and stacks of the mannequins, stuff, mannequins, right? yeah, fabrics fabric. and boxes of just surplus, ready. Just huge. Right, and the minute the display is there, and then it's done, you yeah. can't repeat the display, Yeah. right? And this is what I, I mean, these are the ideas that I was uh, working with, kind of the notion of consumer display mm -hmm. and like cr the creation of desire, you yeah. know, um, on the part of the consumer, right? And and then then what happens? You know, and it's like an unfulfilled promise, right? Because the next month there's a new window display yeah. <laughs> telling us what else we need and want and, right. and capturing the most uh, incredible fantasy for us. But in some ways it feels like it's not sustainable, right? Yeah. You can get it and right. then what? And it's around. <laughs> it's funny to think about your process and how it, not completely, but it's almost like full circle because mm. you're, so much of your work is just taking these things that other people have you or that are the leftovers or the, this stuff and then making something new out of it that talks about that. And like imagining you making, taking stuff and making cabbage patch. <laughs> I wish I had told you no. <laughs> you're just you're trying to get you're no, just trying to get that funny. feeling, right? It is a reversal because in some way I am trying to engage like the individual person, right? Even though I'm working with the museum, mm -hmm. I'm talking about the the person who's right. going to come into that museum or be part of my project and participate because they have a material that they want to um, for it to then turn into art, right? Mm -hmm. And that kind of exchange is really it is personal right yeah. and it's individual and then i come to a place like this and we're like who's the individual yeah you know yeah. because we're talking about macy's and corporate structures like right. really corporations are not people yeah <laughs> right but they're aiming for that consumer you know that person right right so there's like a gap it's interesting there, it's right? like the mystery it's just the person right and which is funny because or the consumer which is what all companies sort of 
focus in on like who's our consumer mm-hmm. what are they buying what will they buy and, right. and then there's all this leftover from the attempt to connect to that consumer. right and so it's like i love the idealism and mm-hmm. optimism that like they can invent this for us and that we'll just do exactly what they want us to do right yeah. you know, we're in that the gaze that we can't leave and then suddenly it's like this awareness of what's happening you know and and then you turn back and you know, there's like the the economy certainly is play, playing mm-hmm. into that. Uh, the debt mm-hmm. that we have is playing into that. You know, all of that. So so then you look around and you see like all this material, seductive material, like mm-hmm. gold, gold, gold. You know, yeah. is is like all just ideas of failure. Right. Right. Yeah, that's and really that, interesting. And that's really depressing. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Like these are objects of, of seduction. Right. Right. And are. You know, so in that, so this is this is capitalism at work. Yeah, right? it is. And I've always thought of the city as a place of excess, but then you come here and you're like, wow, I'm thinking about like the people on the street having access, you know, yeah. the goods that people leave on their stoop kind of yeah. access. But then you see corporate waste where you don't see that. You do not see this on right. an individual basis on the streets of New York. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, occasionally a department store closes down and you have, like, everything must go. Right. <laughs> right? You see that occasionally. Once in a but while th- you'll see, like, a bag of bagels the next day behind somewhere. But it's it's kind of it's evaporated. Both, it, it's, it's just gone. That it. failure didn't happen. Right. And you the, the vision of that would spoil the sort of clean seamlessness of the process of that desire, right? Right. Sold out. Yeah. Everything that was made was bought right. and consumed dead and stock is like embarrassing like you would never it goes off somewhere you yeah. know so the notion of surplus has been incredible and these like objects of display mm-hmm. and the, the, the structures and the language around that um, yeah so i've been really interested in kind of like the positive and negative shapes of the body and kind mm-hmm. of going back to painting right yeah. but that i'm actually using um the ideas behind consumerism mm-hmm. material consumer like what's here what's not here yeah. what's left behind what, what was uh, what worked and what didn't you know there's always these polar um, conditions that yeah. actually exist together it's just that oftentimes they seem like they're defining different um, conditions of meaning in our life but they're actually the same yeah you know one wouldn't exist without the other you know yeah definitely one of um, one of the pieces I love that you did is the uh, you took old vinyl and you created a wave out, like a giant wave sculpture out of it. And um, that leads me to a question, because I, a lot of times when I talk to people, I have a little bit of an inclination, or there's been some past discussion, but I have um, somewhat of an idea of their music leanings, but with you, I have no idea. So I was afraid you were gonna ask me that. And well, it is part of, <laughs> <laughs> it's in the title. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's coming up. Okay. Yeah, it's so. coming up. Well, okay. So that was not my musical uh, collection. So mm-hmm. again, it, like um, there was a personal connection because I got the records through my in-law. Mm-hmm. Um, is my uh, husband's grandfather passed away, and in their basement, in his basement, they found boxes and boxes of his, you know. Uh, LPs and 77s. I mean, it was an incredible collection. He had saved everything, everything for decades of his life. So it really was a mapping of a generation of person Mm -hmm. and their musical taste. 
And so when they were trying to figure out what to do with it, and a lot of it was uh, unusable. They were cracked. They were broken. You know, mm-hmm. they had no like other value. Yeah. But then the fact that to me, like, wow, this one person collected all of these and listened to every single one and saved it. Yeah. That was so significant that I was like, okay, I have to bring it together, create form out of this. And to me, it was like music is so personal, right? Right. Um, but it's also universal. You know, like he, he, what that one record, we could just pick one, will connect with all these other people who have also listened to that record, but they have totally different tastes, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, collectively, you know. So I love that, like, if you look at the detail and then look at, like, the collection, it's something totally different, you know. So how did you come up with the wave? Oh, so the wave actually, it was an, another site-specific project. Um, uh, BAM, the Brooklyn Academy of Music, mm-hmm. had asked me, uh, Dan and Cameron had invited me to do something in the lobby. And they have the next wave festival. Oh, so it's a play on words. And I said, like, really? You have the next wave festival every year. And so every year, the <laughs> curators have to find the next wave of music. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's pretty challenging, right? And so then I was like, wow, but that is actually how we understand um, the ocean, right? The Waves ocean keep does, coming. They keep coming. Yeah. And you think you're like, it's it, and it never is, because you always know there's another wave. So how do we exist in this kind of perpetual you know, moment? Right. Yeah. And then I was thinking, like, performance is that. You know it's going to not be forever. Right. It's a performance. It, there's a performance audience and a time. And yeah. that when that duration is over, you kind of acknowledge it's over until the next one, you know. So I love this idea that was very optimistic. But it's also daunting mm-hmm. for a visual artist to imagine, like, wow, I would never, I would not be a good performance artist because that's a lot of anxiety to kind of live of the moment and know that that's got to pass. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so the tsunami wave that I created on records was also a lot of like that. And what is the physicality to sound? Mm-hmm. You know, so like a, uh, a play on word sound wave. Um, See, and here I thought there might have been <laughs> one thing that you hadn't fully conceptually realized. But it's, and it's yeah. not even that it was like, oh, next wave, it's a wave, but it's multi-layered. Which is really what's amazing yeah, about your work, I think. And for me, it's, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I was forced into playing <laughs> music. So I, you know, my As parents. As a kid? Yeah, my what you did know, you Korean play? parents, of course. Is that very, very surprising to you? My Korean parents violin? forced me to play violin <laughs> and piano. <laughs> 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 surprise, not, surprise. Not a tough no, guess. and they didn't, and they didn't want me to go become a visual artist. <laughs> surprise, <laughs> surprise. And I was only playing classical, you know. God, it's so always we, the violin, isn't it? It's got to be, or the flute, the flute or the violin. All of it. Yeah. I did all of it. I started with uh, the flute. Mm-hmm. I ran out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> so then I moved to the violin. I was a third violinist string, you know. Oh, yeah, there's an order. Uh, but I always played piano throughout. But this yeah. was like piano well, of was course. at home. And yes. then the these were orchestras that I needed to engage in school. And I, I, I fought it, but yeah. I couldn't win that battle, like as a dutiful daughter I yeah. had to practice and play right did you uh make it to the oboe <laughs> no I never knew I was out of breath yeah yeah that's like <laughs> no, the but so so the the thing with that is that you know here's this again structure and enrichment that they yeah. were forcing on me and gave me every opportunity to pursue throughout my entire life even yeah. when we didn't have a piano I would go to my piano teacher's house and practice every day you right. know like that kind of like insistence on this and yet that's not the thing that right. I gravitated toward. Well, at least it's creative. Well, it was it's creative, not like and, and it wasn't very informative, right? Yeah, right? I mean, yeah, it wasn't, 
think they were like, from day I one, lawyer. Balkan. You've got to be a lawyer. <laughs> no, they said that in addition to. <laughs> oh, that was on top? Oh, yeah. boy. <laughs> yes. Well, actually, they preferred to be a doctor. Yes. Yeah, right. So, well, so, the, so no then, pressure. of course, the disappointment is like, okay, I, I guess I'll just make art for yeah. myself. Right. right? But yeah. then I have to let them go. You know, like the, the disappointment. I'm not really good at music. Yeah. And it doesn't really interest me. And actually, I don't have an ear for it, you know. Um, so you don't listen to much music? Y- you know, I don't listen to much music. I actually prefer, you know, podcasts. <laughs> Speaking of. I can't you know, get mad I, at that. I mean. <laughs> where you can get mad at that. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, I love music. I love dancing to music. I love a good beat. And, and if it's around me, uh, I'll participate because yeah. I think it's incredible, you know. And I have complete awe with performance right? yeah. uh, and dance and all that. Uh, but I just know uh, as someone, as a doer, that I f- I'm not very good, you know. Well, did, so I can did, really... When you yeah. were growing up, did you... Was music around a lot? Probably not, right? No, just forced on me <laughs> through but, but classical that was, training. But that was the act of making it. But I'm just saying in the house was there music. Mm-hmm. See, I think that's part of it. Mm-hmm. You're right. I think it has a big part of the way... But art wasn't around either. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yes, but you're... Uh, well, yeah. That's, but it's, it's not true. It's, it wasn't in the house, but it was always around me. You were in D.C. It, right. I mean, come on, right. it's everywhere. to the museums, right? Yeah. So it's not it like was. you were going out to see mm-hmm. classical performances of music all the time, right? No, that was not accessible, actually. Yeah. And you were making things, a la Cabbage Patch Kid, so maybe... <laughs> you keep throwing that in. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I mean, that was a big thing for me, too. That was a huge thing when we were young. You know, yeah. that one Christmas, like, getting your hand. Remember, there were news reports of people freaking out. Freaking out. Trying to get them. Now it's all the gadgets. Yeah, exactly. Well, so, you know, you were making things, you know. I was you making were being things. Creative. And, and, and on, in fact, I mean, uh, even dating back to in Korea, I remember when uh, my, my parents would visit, like, a temple. Mm-hmm. And this is one of, like, my first early memories is uh, they w- walked into the... the the steps up to the temple mm-hmm. and I stayed behind and they were like okay she's not coming and I like found myself in the sand you know like a little it's not really a garden but it's the steps leading to the temple mm-hmm. and I popped myself and I just drew with my fingers and I just you know spent the time waiting yeah by like engaging in an activity that I thought I was supposed to do right, right? Right. until he they walked out with the monk and they were mortified. Yeah, like you're not Get to out of the, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like they were doing? so upset. And the monk stopped them and said, "She's doing what she's meant to do." That's pretty amazing. Right? I and thought you were going to say the monk stopped and said, "She's American." I know. No, this is this is in Korea when I, uh, you know, we hadn't. I'm sure my parents were hoping to get to Korea, but that was not in, our, in the plan. Oh, this wasn't a trip. Yeah, oh. when I was little, and I, you know, before I was five. Gotcha. Know, um, but that moment of like someone else recognizing that what I was doing yeah. was okay, right? You know, and instructing my parents to allow that to happen yeah. for me. Um, I mean, that that took a lifetime. Yeah, right? that's pretty like, amazing. Like, she's not supposed to be playing piano. She's supposed to actually do what she's already been doing, yeah. right? Like, so I didn't go inside the temple, right? As I, I'm sure my parents tried to enforce me to do <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right but i found other ways to amuse myself and totally be entertained and totally like um find presence yeah right it's and like you found your spirituality out there that's right. like it's intrinsic in the right. process of you that. being a creative person right sound that's pretty good <laughs> all right well 
thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me and having me over here and seeing this amazing, I, which I didn't even really know that much about this program. So, um, you know, we'll put links up to it and, and to your site. It's, I'm sure that's the best place where people can Thank check you, out your work, right? It's been a pleasure. And thanks. it's been really, I mean, it's been thrilling to share um, the gifts that I've gotten from materials from the arts and kind of the work that's come out of it. So I'm glad you got to see it. Thanks person. for having me. <laughs> cool. Right, thank you. Special thanks to Materials for the Arts Artists in Residence program, where they allowed us to do the podcast from Jean's studio where she was in residence. You can stop by soundandvisionpodcast.com to find extra images, behind the scenes shots that I've taken in the studios of the different artists that I talked to. In Jean's case, we took some photos of her show at the Materials for the Arts program, where she had exhibited work that she made during her stay at the residence. One last thing, if you download Sound and Vision from iTunes, please make sure to leave us a review and rating. It really helps the podcast. We'll see you next time.